0: your host, Coach Danielle McCartney. You can follow her work on Twitter at Coach McCartney. That's at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. Hey, you're listening to 60-Minute Overtime, Spring 2017, Episode 4, today is January, let me check, 29th, 2017, I'm your host, Danielle McCartan, that's Luke Bryan, we are one week away from the big game, from the Super Bowl. Why am I
1: playing Luke Bryan? Because
0: he's going to be singing the national anthem of Super Bowl 51. Come to you from Houston, Texas. He's not a Texas guy, but he's a Georgia guy. And he sings country music. Close enough, right? You can follow my work, prosportsrundown.com. Twitter at Coach M C C A R T A N on the Last Name. YouTube, search coach Space McCarton SoundCloud.com slash Coach McCartan, on demand iTunes Podcast. Search Coach Space McCartan, Tune in radio. That's under the show's name, 60 Minute Overtime. Play.google.com. Search Coach M C C A R T A N. And big up to you guys on Facebook live right now. Facebook.com slash Coach McCartan. And those of you guys on Periscope. At Coach MCCARTAN from there. And uh, that's also tw- uh, streaming on my Twitter. So if you go on to Twitter right now, Coach MCCARTAN, you'll find that there. Of course, it's me and you. So the phone number to call in is 201 825 1234. I have a couple controversial things today. Well, not really controversial, but what are your thoughts? I want to garner your thoughts on the Carmelo and the Knicks. I'm wearing my. Knicks t-shirt today, Danilo Gallinari, the Italian, who has now since in this trade actually been traded to the Denver Nuggets years ago. Uh, Drama and unrest in the NBA is starting to sound like an episode of the Real Housewives of the NBA (laughs) or the real players of the NBA, if you will. Um, you, You won't hear this anywhere else. I'll guarantee you this one. Jets linebacker Darren Lee went on a massive Twitter tirade on Friday morning. Massive. Like Kanye West, massive. So you're going to hear from Carmelo himself from ESPN, and then my interviews, little snippets with uh, Otis Anderson, Howard Cross, Mike Thiel, and Mike Riley. And don't forget, your phone calls are just as important as those. So I figured we can kick off the show the brave
1: men and women serving our nation in the Persian Gulf and throughout the world please join in the singing of our national anthem the anthem will be followed by a flyover of f-16 Jets from the 56th tactical training wing at McGDill Air Force Base this and is will be performed Whitney Houston national under anthem the direction of maestro Yaha Ling and song considered by by one Grammy of the best Ford of all time Whitney Houston
0: I'm gonna play this one in full 1991, Tampa, Giants playing the Bills, the onset of the Persian Gulf War. Remember, though, this was pre-recorded in 1991 even, and that was a thing back then. So, again, like I said, just got done saying, this was the Giants versus the Bills. And I actually talked to a couple Giants players that were there on that team watching that live. And uh, we'll start with Otis Anderson, the uh, running back, the MVP of that Super Bowl. And here's what he had to say about the Whitney Houston National Anthem.
2: And it was a surprise to all of us. Mm-hmm. So when she walked out in that, uh in her, in a jumpsuit or either a tracksuit or whatever you want to call it, everybody started whispering, "That's Whitney, that's Whitney." It was like a, a, a rush of words running down. Everybody turning, and we were all like, "Oh my God, it is Whitney!" Because, you know, technically i would never seen Whitney in person other than i heard who she was, but to see her, and even though she was a far away from me, but just to see her on the field singing taking, and, and, and you're right. Never ever duplicated, it. Ever. Will ever be in the
0: future, no, ever. No. That's funny. You guys were all kind of starstruck on the sidelines. Yeah, That's we
2: were funny. we were we all were. And it gave you a lot more uh more more will and and uh and, and energy to really want to go out there and really do the right thing and try to win it because for <laughs> goodness sake that you national anthem. <laughs> and
0: so. she's a jersey girl. You're right. Uh, okay.
2: So it all fit in what we were trying to accomplish and thank God it did work out that yeah, way. And
0: yeah and you did accomplish it. That was uh, Otis Henderson. He's uh, he's such a character. He was talking about how, imagine if you're playing in the Super Bowl, you're a Giants player playing in the Super Bowl, you know, from New York. Whitney Houston, who's from New Jersey, gets up there and starts singing the national anthem. Apparently, it sounded like it was a secret that they didn't even know who was going to be singing it until they were out there doing it, watching it. And this is Howard Cross, Giants Super Bowl winning tight end, one of the last good tight ends the Giants have ever had. Super Bowl 25 was a thrilling upset of the Bills. What was that experience like for you? Uh,
2: it was pretty cool. I don't think people realize it. it was one of the first times our country was into a national conflict, and I was shocked that we could be in a conflict. Mm-hmm. And when Whitney Houston comes out and sings the national anthem, I and mean, everybody's yeah. crying, made it for a special event. It's kind of what really kicked off what the Super Bowl is today. Did you cry? Yeah, <laughs> it was pretty cool. <laughs>
0: guy's like seven feet tall he cried during the Whitney Houston National Anthem so that's that's kind of cool getting some insight from the Super Bowl winning Giants 91 Giants uh stars really Otis Anderson and Howard Cross he took the more Howard Cross took the more uh historical path to that and and uh (coughs) Otis Anderson took the more in the moment approach to that question that I had asked both of them uh but you know In my opinion, though, and this is probably not the popular opinion, I I talked about this last year on air, I don't think that the Whitney Houston Anthem was the best of all time. I'm going to play you a snippet now from the Jennifer Hudson National Anthem. This is from 2009. Raymond James Stadium, also in Tampa. Okay, and you're listening to Jennifer Hudson in 2009 from Tampa, Florida. Looks like that was the Steelers and the Cardinals Super Bowl. In my opinion, that is the best national anthem of all time. So let's see how uh, Luke Bryan stacks up against those heavy hitter women uh, next next week, next Sunday. About this time next Sunday, Luke Bryan will probably be going through his soundcheck for the national anthem of Super Bowl 51. I mean, I like Luke Bryan, I like his songs, but I really just don't think he's going to knock it out of the park quite like Whitney Houston and Jennifer Hudson. Numbers one and two, best of all time. My rank is Jennifer Hudson number one. Whitney Houston is number two for me, especially since Jennifer Hudson sang it live. Especially. So... That's my, my, my quick take on that. I figure we could start the show off with the national anthem and what better than the best two national anthems of all time.
1: Okay, what the... <laughs>
0: so friday morning i wake up and i see a string of tweets from the jets rookie linebacker darren lee you will not find this story anywhere else this is a me exclusive this is a 60 minute overtime danielle McCartin exclusive story here ready for this one friday morning puts it around 4:35 a.m eastern time Darren Lee tweets, and by the way, like I said, he's a rookie linebacker. Rookie on the New York Jets. He launched a full-fledged, racially charged Twitter tirade. If anybody follows Kanye West in his own tirades, this might sound pretty familiar to you. So, uh, and, and by the way, the update of this, I'll tell you the update real quick. The update of this is going to be that when I look this morning... He has deleted all of his tweets back to 2012. He deleted five years worth of tweets after this tirade from Friday morning, two days ago. Lucky for you guys, though, I was pretty quick. I screenshotted them real quick. Uh, I screenshotted more of the the more interesting ones because, you know what? There were so many of them, and they, they were coming so fast and so furious that I couldn't really keep up and I actually had to get to work, go to work so I couldn't really keep up with all of them but I'm going to give you the highlights I'm going to give you the highlight reel of uh, Darren Lee's Twitter tirade here we go first tweet was sent within the 4am hour quotes capital letters man with six n's I'm heated then he had three red Angry faces after that. you know, the emojis. Exactly 5: 55 a.m. He tweets, "White people, you can nay, nay, all you want. Still doesn't mean you understand us." you know the song. Way up. Nay, nay. OK? So some guy responds to him and says to him, trying to help. His name is Andrew Clark, says to him, "We need to understand each other. It's not white versus black. It's ignorant versus ignorant. Everyone needs to understand that. And that's at the Clark 27, 27, 27. Just trying to help, right? So maybe half an hour later, he gets on and he says, uh, Darren Lee, that is, 621 AM, he says, Guys, I'm not ranting. I'm keeping it real like Donnie Trumpet. Some people were wondering if he was hacked. Um by someone named Donnie Trumpet. That could be one theory, right? You would think that, right? Because you're putting... First of all, Donnie Trumpet is a unknown rap star. Well, rapper, at least. So you're thinking, okay, maybe this guy, Donnie Trumpet, hacked him. Well, no, because he spelled Donnie wrong. So, in my opinion, this is still Darren Lee saying this. D-O-N-N-Y is how he spelled it. It's actually D-O-N-N-I-E. Okay. So this other guy, at jhoff10, responds and says to him, if there is any doubt that the Jets locker room was a dysfunctional mess last season, just go look at at dleemg8's tweets, That's Darren Lee. So Darren Lee sees this, takes complete exception to this, and responds with, quotes, LMFAO with like a million O's. Bro, stop. I'm going to piss myself from laughing. End quote. So that J. Hoff 10 writes back, I can't wait to hear the news later. Jets fine Darren Lee, 15K for racist Twitter rant. And he responded back to that, and he goes, LOL, yeah, Jets fine away. With the hysterical laughing emoji. So as a coach of young athletes, right, I'm sitting here, we always profess to these kids that you shouldn't be... um, Tweeting bad things, you know, you never want anything to come back in writing to haunt you, you know, things like that. So I stepped in and I said something along the lines of, um, oh, well, this was my direct quote. I said, tweeted to him, I said, don't put something out there that you're going to regret later. Let your play do the talking for you. You had a tremendous rookie season. So he responds to me, quotes me and responds to me, quote, our president said whatever he wanted and won, period, hop, period, off period so I responded I'm just trying to help and then I tagged his mom <laughs> so uh, that was that I mean it went on for a little bit longer I had to get up and, and go to work but I asked him three times during that period to come on this show 60 minute overtime to explain his point of view because we all know Twitter has a 140 character limit Right, How could you possibly get your thoughts out in a hundred and forty character limit, right? My three requests were completely ignored by a guy that was there, you know reading them in real time. Someone on Periscope just said, these guys are so out of touch and don't realize their harm that their words do. The guy has a hundred and twenty thousand Twitter followers at this point in time, so You're right. He doesn't know the extent of his words. He doesn't know what those words could possibly ignite among the Jets uh, fan base. This is Darren Lee tweeting some racially charged tweets that have since been deleted. (laughs) Actually, all the tweets since 2012 have been deleted. So, in my opinion, no, he was not hacked. That's the typical go-to when people tweet things that are not correct, politically correct. They say, oh, I was hacked. He, this guy wasn't hacked. There was something going on with Darren Lee that morning. What the. What the. What was he talking about, first of all? His tweets have no con- concise, cohesive argument. What was he trying to prove? I mean, these are all questions that I wanted to ask him. However,. He didn't respond to my response to come on this show and to talk about it. (laughs) So what was he trying to prove? His arguments didn't make sense. Uh, From what I had gathered, it was something about black versus white. Something about President Trump saying that he wants to... No, something about President Trump saying what he wants without repercussions, but Darren Lee can't. I'm not sure, but, but Darren Lee, let me check you real quick. You are, or just finished your rookie season in the NFL, you have no right to be talking about this kind of heavily weighted stuff on Twitter over the course of two hours on a Friday morning at 6am if you have a real issue maybe you should take the Colin Kaepernick route and explain it to the media explain it to the press what your issue really is because right now you just look like an idiot you just look like an idiot and you are, by the way, entering your second year of the season no team wants to deal with this drama, buddy You're a great player, like I said to you, and you answered me. You are a great player. Let your play do the talking, right? So now I know someone with more immediate access to him, himself, Darren Lee, and to the Jets is going to pick up this story. I know that. It's happened to me. But if you aren't going to let me do the interview, everybody, you know what you can do? You can at least give me the credit for it. You can at least give me the credit for it. You understand that? You understand that? All you Jets beats writer, beat writers, anybody going to be interviewing Darren Lee? This is my story. If you're going to take it, you're going to give me the credit for it. That's right, because it's happened before, and I'm tired of it. So you can give me the credit at CoachMCCARTAN. I'm Danielle McCartan, and my website is prosportsrundown.com. Taking the Falcons and the points as my lock for the week. Oh boy, we'll get into X's and O's with the Super Bowl next week. I'm not sure. I haven't done enough research yet. <laughs> he would be on Tom with, <laughs> yeah, Tom from uh, Dumont. That's my dad on WFAN, Francesa. And just because you mentioned that, listen, I was in the Final Four to to get to the Super Bowl. On the WFAN contest. Uh, he uh, His question to me. Was the following. He fumbled the question the first time. He reworded it. I asked for clarification. Still didn't get exactly what I wanted. Freaked out about what time. The, at what point the 30 second timer was going to be started at. And my question was. And I still don't understand it. People are still commenting on my Facebook. That they don't even understand it. Uh, what I gathered and what I garnered was name, and by the way you have 30 seconds name the three Hall of Fame name two of the three Hall of Fame quarterbacks that started in exactly three Super Bowl games with at least least one touchdown pass well (laughs) I mean I just came out with three names I came out with Aikman Elway Montana. He goes, "No. Sorry. Done." So, it couldn't be Brady because Brady started in 6. This will be his 6th Super Bowl. He was looking for somebody within that has started exactly 3. So, I think I found the right answer. I think I I came up with the right answer. Uh, one of them in in my opinion the right answer, which by the way, we don't know the right answer. So, Monzo, if you're listening, could you please give us the answer? But I found that Three Hall of Fame quarterbacks that started in exactly three Super Bowls were... Aikman. Definitely Aikman, right? Bob Greasy. And Fran Tarkenton. Those are the guys that I came up with after the fact. Still don't know if it's right or not. But needless to say, regardless... I am not going to the Super Bowl. But that's good news for everybody listening. Because... You guys are going to get me next Sunday. I have an interview with Henrik Lundqvist coming up in two weeks' time on Saturday night, so I'll bring that to you guys too. And that's that. So I'm not going to the Super Bowl. You guys get me next Sunday. And uh, a lot of people in Periscope are happy about that. So <laughs> um, Now, so Carmelo Anthony, let's talk a little bit of basketball because I really want to get into X's and O's, Falcons, Patriots, next week. Let's talk a little bit about Carmelo Anthony and the Knicks. Okay, so this whole controversy started uh, with Phil Jackson. Phil Jackson's close friend, Charlie Rosen, first stated that Carmelo has, quote, outlived his usefulness in New York. And that was on a Fenrag Sports article. As expected, Anthony Carmelo did not have such nice things to say about that comment. And he said, quote, If they feel like my time in New York is over, I guess that's a conversation we should have. If they want to come and talk to me, I'm around them guys every day. I don't want this to be going back and forth with me and management, because it's really nothing. This is what Carmelo had to say about this uh, saga in New York. This is a round-robin sort of thing with a couple of beat reporters surrounding his locker. It's from ESPN.com. It can be.
2: I mean, it's... You know, you got you to gotta deal with that even though, you know, I, I try not to, uh, you know, read it and everywhere you go, you, even if you don't hear about it, somebody telling somebody's telling you about it, somebody is saying something. So uh, it can be mentally, you know, draining, mentally fatiguing. With that in mind, everything that's been going on, does it just take you any kind of guy to make it in New York City? Yeah, mellow. <laughs> yeah. You gotta be, you gotta be cut from a different, from a different. He's not laughing. To, to take this day any day, y'all, and to deal with this all day long, every day, you know, you gotta take the good with the bad. Uh, and I, you know, I don't know how I do it, but I do it. You're close to Kobe, and I know you, you talk a lot to Kobe. Is there anything that you've taken from him in terms of your relationship with with Phil, and just how to deal with things like this? No. um... <clears throat> Not at all. I mean, it was, I think we was in totally two different situations. He was actually playing, you know, for Phil. Phil is in the front office and managing right now. So, uh, you know, I, I, I try to just come to work and just play. And I don't, I don't like to deal with, you know, all the nonsense.
0: So dealing with the nonsense, whether or not you're going to deal with the nonsense, you're going to be around it. You play in New York, Carmelo. So I looked into this. Now, if New York, if the Knicks were to trade him, Carmelo would have to waive his no-trade clause, which he currently has no intentions of doing, according to last reports. So, um, all right, goodbye. (laughs) Um, He's currently, right now, averaging 22.2 points a game, six rebounds in 41 games. He has a shooting percentage of 43%. Now, my question to Carmelo, and I'm going to flush this out. I started writing uh, an article the other day. I just didn't get to finish it. So, on prosportsrundown.com, Why would Carmelo Anthony want to even stay with the Knicks? Okay, so he was dealt the Knicks in 2011. It was a blockbuster trade. It involved three teams, 12 players, and $6 million in cash. And that sent Carmelo Anthony, Mr. Marquis, from Denver to where he wanted to be all along in New York. The deal ended a season-long trade saga involving Denver's all-star forward, and sent him where he had publicly stated he wanted to play. That's from ESPN. The other one was from SB Nation. So, Anthony and and the Knicks were lawfully wedded on Monday, February twenty first, two 2011. Now, after a five-year tumultuous relationship, Knicks Nation is demanding a divorce from Carmelo Anthony. The Knicks uh, have a lot of cap space incoming over the next two years with or without Melo thanks for that their relationship now between you know between Carmelo the Knicks and the fans has hit a new low on Friday night. the home crowd at Madison Square Garden rained booze and jeering cheers down onto number seven and he was caught by cameras by saying "I don't want it, I don't want it." Why would Carmelo Anthony want to continue to play in New York number one I have Right now, four reasons. Ready? Number one, it's a losing atmosphere. The Knicks will have only made the playoffs twice during Anthony's first five years. And in in his sixth year, the Knicks are sitting at 21-27, 11th in the Eastern Conference. They're presumably not going to make the playoffs again. So two times out of six times, they're not going to make the playoffs. Actually, the NBA, I think this is the second year under it, expanded their playoff format so more teams make the playoffs in the nba now and the knicks still can't get to the playoffs with carmelo anthony basically every team makes the playoffs with this new expansion and this for ratings and everything else so they've expanded the playoff system and the knicks can't make the playoffs number one if you ha- if you're on a losing team why would you want to stay number two this is an atmosphere of chaos there have been four different head coaches that have joined and exited, joined and exited, joined and exited the Knicks' head coach carousel during his tenure in New York. Number one, Mike D'Antoni. Number two, Mike Woodson. Number three, Jeff Fisher. Number four, Kurt Rambis, although he was an interim. Currently, they are led by their fifth head coach in almost as many years, Jeff Hornacek. This undoubtedly has been an unstable, chaotic environment. How could any player succeed under five different ideologies, right? Number three, a lack of confidence by the fan base and, more importantly, by the coaching staff and the organization of the New York Knicks. Anthony was not voted to fill a roster spot on the 2017 All-Star team this year. Did you know that? He told the New York Daily News that he was, quote, a little disappointed, end quote. Throughout the past week, He's been booed on his home court. He's been ostracizing the media. Why would you want to stay here, Carmelo Anthony? Number four, the Knicks have no plan. Should the Knicks build around Christoph Sporsingis? Of course they should. Then why did they bring in Derrick Rose? What are the optics surrounding Joakim Noah, Noah's four-year, $72 million contract? After this embarrassment. Did you see him? He shot a foul shot. And it was an air ball. I'm sorry. If you're making 72 million dollars over four years. You don't have to make every single foul shot. But you should. You can't shoot air balls. (laughs) I mean you are. How tall is uh, Joaquin Noah? Can someone look that up? So how how tall are you that you can't even hit the backboard. On a foul shot. Of course Melo has contributed to this. It's a it's a culture of, let's not play defense. Carmelo Anthony does not play defense. <laughs> right? I mean, as a coach, I'm going to take the coaching perspective here, and as a young player, you are taught to box out, pick and roll. When you pick somebody, you have to bang them. You have to bang them so that they can't get to the guy that, that's running by you. Can someone please tweet me a, a, a video, a gif, uh, some sort of media? showing me how Carmelo Anthony has laid a successful pick, rebounded a ball, rebound outlet middle a ball. uh, Has he blocked any shots? (laughs) So Carmelo Anthony, by the Knicks getting rid of Carmelo Anthony, they're going to create a new culture surrounding that team. Would you rather build a team um, uh, uh, around Carmelo Anthony or around Christoph Porzingis? I think every single person, the answer would be Christophs Porzingis. By releasing him, he can start another uh, part of his career. Uh, yes, he's going to get his money. Yes, he's a very high-paid player. Yes, he's an okay, good, even offensive player. He scores a lot of points. But like they always say, the old adage, defense wins championships. And uh, if you can't play defense, I don't think you're ever going to win. So the Chicago Bulls are having some drama of their own. This is like the Real Housewives of the NBA, like I said before at the top of the broadcast. It's the Knicks, the Bulls, the Cavaliers we'll talk about in a minute. So Dwayne Wade and Jimmy Butler of the Chicago Bulls had some critical things to say about their team after their 119-114 to loss to the Atlanta, Atlanta Hawks on Wednesday night. As a result, Wade and Butler are benched for the start of the game on Friday night as disciplinary action. After Wednesday night's loss, Wade stated, quote, I don't know if people care enough. It just doesn't mean en- mean enough to guys around here, and it pissed me off. I'm 35 years old. I have three championships. It shouldn't hurt me more than it hurts these young guys. They have to want it. I can look at Jimmy and say Jimmy is doing his job. I think Jimmy can look at me and say Dwayne is doing his job. I don't know if we can keep going down the line and be able to say that." End quote. Wayne was not the only one critical of his teammates, and after that game, Butler chimed in by saying, quote, If you don't come in, um, curse word, expletive, pissed off every game, any game. If you're not pissed off that you lost, something's wrong. This is your job. This is what you're supposed to love to do. End quote. Now, you can see that they're coming from a place of concern, right? There's a lack of effort on their team. That's what you can read into that. However... You would think that the Bulls are at the bottom of the barrel in the NBA. They're actually not. If the, if the season ended today, the Bulls would make the playoffs. They're 7th in the Eastern Conference at 23-25 and 25 is their record. So if the season ended today, the Bulls are a playoff team. So to question the work ethic, to question the um, the fortitude of your teammates is a great thing. However, I wouldn't do it in front of the media without having spoken about it behind closed doors. That's a passive-aggressive way to get to whoever you're trying to get to. You should be a man. You know, you've won three champions. You're 35 years old. Be a man and go up to the players that you have problems with. Be a leader. Be a leader and go up to them and and, and have and flush out what you need to say. You don't go do it through the media and have it blow up in your face because that's exactly what happened. Fellow Bulls player Rajon Rondo... Uh, formerly of the Celtics, responded on Instagram with his frustration toward Wade and Butler's comments. Now, let's take to social media. That's a great idea, Rajon Rondo. A few important lines from that, uh, from his post, were accompanying, first of all, he put up a picture of him, Paul Pierce, and Kevin Garnett in the the Celtics. And uh, part of his quote was, my vets would never go to the media. They would come to the team. My vets didn't pick and choose when they wanted to bring it. They brought it every time they stepped in the gym, whether it was practice or a game, end quote. So you can read the whole entire post on his Facebook, uh, his Instagram account, at Rajon Rondo. However, you've taken an immature way to deal with a problem. You're responding with a more immature way to answer the problem. My vets. Actually, Rajon Rondo, those are not your vets anymore. You do not play for them or with them or for the Celtics anymore. Your vets, actually are Dwayne Wade and Jimmy Butler. There's a broken locker room happening in the Bulls clubhouse or in and around the Bulls organization. They're not the worst team in the NBA, believe it or not, like I just said. And like I said, if the playoffs made if if the playoffs started today, they would make them. But uh, my prediction is this team is going to fall apart at the end of the season or towards the, the back end of the season. They have zero camaraderie, zero trust in each other. They are clearly, evidently, not playing as a team. So Dwayne Wade, Jimmy Butler, Rajon Rondo, you know, there's not many guys on, on a basketball team. So if this happens maybe on a baseball team or a football team where the rosters are, you know, more expanded These guys see each other. They deal directly with each other every single day. Now, if you're a kicker in the NFL, you really have no dealings with, and Nick Folk has said it, you've heard it on here, you really have no dealings with the quarterbacks and the wide receivers and things like that. You have your own meetings, your own separate breakout sessions. But if you are a basketball player, you have direct dealings with these people every single day. And this is an issue that needs to be resolved quickly and swiftly. Because if not, like I said, the Bulls will fall apart at the end of the season due to their zero camaraderie, zero trust each o- in each other. And remember, everybody, there's no I in team. And even if you are sitting there going, well, there's a me, you still have an issue. <laughs> so speaking of effort and the lack of effort on a basketball court, did you hear that LeBron James needs more playmakers? <laughs> Yeah, LeBron James is saying that the Cleveland Cavaliers need more playmakers on the team. <laughs> so this is his quote. He said, "It's not like when you, it, it's like when you don't have bodies. It's tough. The expletive grind of the regular season. We are a top-heavy team. We have a top-heavy team. We top-heavy as expletive beep to me. It you no, know, it's me, Kyrie Irving, Irving Kevin Love." It's top heavy, end quote. Well that was a uh first of all, very Socratic and, and Nostradamus like of LeBron James. That was a great nugget of information that they are one, two, three, four times that he said they are a top heavy team. He also said he's quote, not singling anybody out. I'm not, end quote. See, I have a huge problem with this. News flash. LeBron James, you are the playmaker. I don't know if you know that or not. Let me say that again. LeBron James, you are the playmaker. On the Cleveland Cavaliers. That's why they pay you. That's why you make almost $31 million this season alone. You need to step up and you need to be the playmaker. There are five people that play on a basketball court at once. If you are on the court with Kyrie Irving and Kevin Love, what more do you want? What more could you possibly want? You, another one who doesn't play defense. Right? You are another one that doesn't play defense. Why do you want more people on your team for a deeper bench? Why? So you can sit on the bench and play water bottle flips on a, uh, during a game on the court? Your team is first in the Eastern Conference. You are the top seed in the playoffs if the season ended today. You need to step up, LeBron James. You need to be the playmaker. Why do you want this? Presumably so you can sit out get more rest time you're the king why would you want to sit why would you want to sit on the bench aren't you a competitor who wants to come out in a game i got 19 people on periscope right now if you are playing in a game 20 now do you ever want to come out of a game As a a regular athlete, never mind being a professional athlete, nobody wants to come out of a game. You should get out there and do your job. You should stop whining, LeBron James. You are in first place. And you have a cast of characters, including Kyrie Irving, Kevin Love, and J.R. Smith, for crying out loud. Michael Jordan was playing all out until he was 42 years old. On the wizards. So you cannot use your age as an excuse. In an age where people are, are biometrics and put on diet plans and this, and you know, you have the world at your fingertips to be a better athlete. Look at Tom Brady. Changed his entire diet. Wait, how old is Tom Brady? 35? How old is he? Right? So he is doing everything the right way. Why do you need to rest your body Football is more demanding than basketball. And again, if you want to compare LeBron James to Michael Jordan, Michael Jordan was playing until he was 42 years old on the Wizards. So you, King James, can go pout in the corner. And if you really don't like the way it's going, you've done it before. (laughs) You can leave Cleveland. Because you've done it before, right? 60 minutes
1: overtime. Hurry up offense with Danielle McCartan.
0: Now in men's tennis, Roger Federer this morning defeated defeated Rafael Nadal in the Australian Open. Ended around 8 a.m. this morning in the epic five-set battle. Federer claimed his 18th Grand Slam title. I believe it was his fifth Australian Open uh, title. Federer climbed back from being down 1-3 in the fifth. He won the Open 6-4, 3-6, 6-1, 3-6, 6-3. All-time tennis legend, at Billie Jean King, said on Twitter, There is a reason Roger Federer is the GOAT. He showed us again tonight at the Australian Open that true champions always find a way to win. Hashtag RF18. Now to women's tennis. Serena Williams defeated sister Venus Williams for the Australian Open women's title on Saturday. Serena came out victorious in just two sets, winning 6-4, 6-4. With her seventh Open title, she has now passed Steffi Graf for the most major titles in the Open era. Quote, this is a Venus quote now. Venus says, quote, that's my little sister, guys. I've been there right with you. Some of them I I lost right there against you. I guess that's weird, but it's been an awesome thing. Your win has always been my win. I think you know that. You mean the world to me. Now, Serena says back, quote, Venus deserves an incredible round of applause. She's made an amazing comeback. I definitely think she'll be standing here next year. I don't like the word comeback. She never left. End quote. Moving on to the New York Knicks. The New York Knicks were off last night, but they played Friday night and beat the Hornets at the Garden 110 to 107. Kemba Walker of the losing Hornets led the way with 31 points, 5 assists, and 10 rebounds. The Brooklyn Nets moving over to a different uh, borough and with Brooklyn. Brooklyn Nets, they're looking for only their 10th win of the season. The Lowly Nets did not get it last night in Minnesota against the Timberwolves. Final score of that game was 129-109. Carl Anthony Towns of the Timberwolves had 37 points and 13 rebounds on the night. So currently, the NHL is uh, on the All-Star break, so the New Jersey Devils Thursday. Lost at home against the Washington Capitals to a score of 5 2. The New York Rangers on Wednesday lost also at home to the Philadelphia Flyers to Zip. And the New York Islanders Friday at home beat the Montreal Canadiens 3-1. There's lots of hockey on today, NBC4. The Central and Pacific Leagues will square off at 3.30, followed by the Metropolitan and Atlantic League games at 4.30. This is the All-Star Weekend. The championship, the All-Star Championship, will be played at 5.30 p.m. Again, that's on today on NBC4. That's Eastern time, by the way. I'm Danielle McCartney, and that was your 60-minute overtime. Hurry up, offense.
2: Okay. I'm Dylan Batanzas, pitcher for the New York Yankees, and you're listening to Daniel McCartan on 60 Minutes Overtime.
0: Last night I attended a fundraiser at Brew House in Pearl River, New York, with my new cameraman, Matt Sichtermans. Need an event filmed, a video edited? Go to msfilmspro.com to get in contact with Matt. He's putting together probably right now my sit down interview with former Yankees, Red Sox, Padres, Rays, and Tigers, former catcher John Flaherty. Yankees fans most know him for his analytical role with the YES Network currently, right now. So that interview will is obviously not ready right this second, but it will be ready and I can't wait to play that for you. We talked about a lot of different things including Jorge Posada. Does he actually um, really need to be considered for the MLB Hall of Fame? Are the Yankees retiring too many numbers too fast? Uh, also we talked about his career, obviously. career in the yes booth uh, behind the plate at Yankee Stadium being in the same exact spot that Yogi Berra and Thurman Munson once squatted behind the plate what was that like for him and and a bunch of other things so that that's going to be coming Uh, if you can't wait till next Sunday you can go to my YouTube page it'll be up soon I promise you Uh, YouTube go to youtube.com in the search bar you type in coach space m-c-c-a-r-t-a-n and you'll find that there as soon as possible Also, if you subscribe on iTunes or any of the other platforms, or even on my SoundCloud account, you will find it there as soon as I could possibly put that up. We have reached the halfway point of today's content. In next week's Super Bowl, Lady Gaga, who are you? You are listening to right now, will be the Pepsi, Pepsi halftime performer. So you're probably going to hear this song called "Perfect Illusion." It's her newest. My hope is that she's going to perform a medley of her top songs. I mean, I look. She's got Bad Romance, Poker Face, Born This Way, Applause, Just Dance, Edge of Glory, Telephone, Love Game, Alejandro, You and I. Those are all of her top songs. I am so pumped for Lady Gaga to be doing the halftime show. I just can't wait. Everybody loves Lady Gaga. She is um, so appealing to everybody, right? So those of you who have been loyal listeners on my show have known that I've wanted this since she killed the national anthem performance in last year's Super Bowl. I, I cannot wait to hear what Lady Gaga is going to come out with next week. I am so, so happy. Not to mention, she's a very good, very good uh, role model for Italian-Americans everywhere. overtime on W.R.P.R. Alright, so transitioning to the NFL, the Pro Bowl tonight, who cares, right? Should I just crumple up this paper now? The Pro Bowl tonight is going to be at 7.50 p.m. Eastern ESPN from the Orlando Citrus Bowl in Orlando, Florida. Now, by show of hands, who actually watches this game? Okay, great. No one actually puts effort into watching this game right so what they've done this year and we've talked and the nfl listen this year for the first time they've introduced a skills competition leading up to the game now let's hear from when i interviewed mike teal he's a former seahawks quarterback this was nine months ago i asked him how the nfl can improve the pro bowl game and increase listenership and viewership do you have any suggestions because we saw that I think it was seven Patriots. All of a sudden, got injuries and couldn't attend the Pro Bowl. Threl Rivas hurt his elbow, couldn't return, couldn't play in the Pro Bowl. Do you have any suggestions to amend it to restore somewhat of its honor?
1: Not really. No. Okay. Really. That's, That's okay. The, the way the NFL has become, the lifespan of, of a career of a player, the most important thing for a player is is really his health and his body, and if playing a Pro Bowl to jeopardize that then I think they're gonna, they're not gonna play. And with the way the NFL seasons have become the physical demand of, you know, what the players have to go through mm-hmm. for for sixteen weeks, it's hard, you know, three or four weeks later to turn around and say, Hey, we want you to play in an all star game now and go out and play real hard. It just right. I don't think it's realistic.
0: So that was Mike Teal talking about the wear and tear of the body. I mean, last year we had seven Patriots that were named to the, the all-star team here, the Pro Bowl team, and they they all of a sudden, <coughs> I'm sick, you know, like from Mean Girls, right? So the wear and tear on the body, he definitely understands. But Mike Riley, who's a former linebacker for both the Cardinals and the Steelers, he had an alternative, <laughs> alternative facts, alternative suggestions. And this is from uh, from nine months ago. I feel, in my own opinion, that the Pro Bowl has lost somewhat of its its importance, I would say, because, you know, I'm looking at it this year, there's seven Patriots that automatically came down with injuries that couldn't play with it, and then you see Rob Gronkowski on all the shows leading up to the Super Bowl. Darrell Rivas automatically gets, like, I think he said, an elbow injury. So, do you think, or do you have any suggestions, or do you think it's fine but or to amend the Pro Bowl? Nobody uh, did. <laughs> you know, um so I guess that kinda gives you a little bit of, of what I thought about it, but
1: yeah. uh, I think as soon as maybe they make it less of a competition and more of a, a celebration of the players. Mm-hmm. Um, It can be things with that personality.
0: I think so too, and then one of the I saw in one of the interviews that Gronkowski cited the fact that to play in the AFC Championship game and to get banged up, he said he didn't leave his house until that Wednesday or that Tuesday following the game, and he cited you know physical limitations for that. So I think that's a great that's a great solution. I would definitely tune into that.
1: Way that, and, and yeah, you're not know, really going to do anything to change that. So uh, I don't think it's it really going to more of a celebration, and it'll, it'll be better for the fans and the players. But, yeah. know, to be different, too.
0: So. Yeah, that's cool. I like that spelling idea. I Spelling bee yeah, idea. So, that's cool. You know, maybe different
1: positions could be different things. You know, uh, yeah,
0: anything along the so part to be creative and fun. So this year, the uh, Pro Bowl has become more of a celebration. They have listened. We talked. They listened. For the first time, like I said, they introduced a skills competition leading up to the game. Some of the most notable events, including uh, receivers catching balls dropped by drones. I'm sure you've seen the video of Odell Beckham doing that. Uh, quarterbacks trying to hit moving targets. A dodgeball game. That was kind of cool. That was by far the most competitive of them all. I retweeted um, uh, the punter from the Raiders, King. I forget, Marquette King. He actually punted a football, sprinted down the field, and caught his own punt. How cool is that? And then I don't know if you saw the retweet I had this morning at Coach McCartan on Twitter. Um, He, he again, Marquette King, kicked the ball up in the air near a basketball hoop. Odell Beckham caught it and slammed it home. Alley-oop off a punt with a football. I mean, That's the kind of stuff that people want to see. However, they are going to stick with the game format. Tonight the game is at uh, 7.50 Eastern on ESPN. Now, as an incentive, they're trying to incentivize these players. So first of all, and the fans. So first of all, by trying to involve more fans, they moved the game from very expensive Hawaii to the contiguous United States, Orlando, Florida. And as an incentive to participate and play hard for the players, Each member of the winning team is going to receive $64,000. And yes, they're handing out participation trophies to the losers. They're going to get $32,000. Right? I mean, come on. Talk about participation trophies. Uh, So some of the players that are going to be playing in the game, uh, you know, let's see, DeMarco Murray, Titans, Alex Smith, Chiefs. Jarvis Landry. Those all have asterisks. I'm not sure why. Maybe they're not even playing. Uh, Let's see. Andy Dalton. Jay Ajay. This is the AFC side. Uh, Delaney Walker. Travis Kelsey. Uh, AFC defense. Khalil Mack. Cameron Wake. Von Miller. Zach Brown. Bills. Aqib Talib. Eric Weddle. Justin Colquitt on the NFC side, Dak Prescott, Ezekiel Elliott, of course, Drew Brees, Devontae Freeman, Odell Beckham from the Giants. There are no Jets that made this roster, by the way. Greg Olson, Jimmy Graham, Jarvis Jenkins, Janoris Jenkins from the Giants. I believe Landon Collins as well from the Giants. Johnny Hecker, punter for the Rams, Matt Prater, Lions, Wayne Harris, special teamer. You know, a couple of players have already been replaced. Derek Carr, LaShawn McCoy, Mari Cooper, Jordan Reed. So uh, if you're interested, if, if this is your thing, is anyone still going to be watching this game or attending the game in Orlando? Not really sure. But if it's your thing, it's on at 7.50 p.m. I'll probably check it out just for a little while, just to see. <laughs> uh, someone just said, oh, Nope. <laughs> Um, all right, so now, uh, you know, as we all know, I love your show you. Thank you. Thank you. Now, as you know, everybody has one of the storylines leading up to, one of the only storylines leading up to the Super Bowl this year is how people can't wait for Roger Goodell to hand the Lombardi trophy to Tom Brady, right? Of course, everybody's all PR'd up and everybody's all, you know, It's okay, you know, it's not a big deal. That is a big deal. Because Goodell suspended Brady for four games for allegedly deflating footballs. Even if Tom Brady will not discuss the deflate gate prior to the Super Bowl, his father, Tom Sr., has no problem speaking about it. And this is going to be an audio slash interview courtesy of k Ron 4 all the way out in San Francisco. Listen to this.
1: I think any parent can understand that, that they'd rather take the slings and arrows in the heart than have their kids. Tom Senior. And for, for, for. What the league did to him, uh, but what Roger Goodell constantly lied about, is is um, is beyond reprehensible as far as I'm concerned. He went on a wish hunt and got in way over his head and had to lie his way out numerous ways. And and the, the reality is, Tommy never got suspended for deflating footballs. He got suspended because the court said that he could. Roger Goodell could do anything that he wanted to do for to any player for any reason whatsoever. That's what happened. The NFL admitted they had no evidence on it. But it should be an honor because somebody that has uh, Roger Goodell's ethics doesn't belong on any stage that Tom Brady is on.
0: Well, that was a hot take from Tom Sr. Questioning Goodell's ethics doesn't deserve to be on the same stage as Tom Brady Jr. Woo! However, this seems to be a common theme among all the the Bradys. <laughs> Not long ago, his wife, supermodel Giselle Buncheon, was doing Tom, Tom Jr.'s dirty work. This is 2012. And uh, she had some choice words to say to the Patriots wide receivers. She was caught saying this, getting on an elevator after a game, for dropping Tom Brady's passes. It's a little hard to hear in the beginning, but you'll hear it pick up at the end. Here's uh, Tom Brady's wife doing his dirty work in 2012. My husband can't throw the ball and catch the ball at the same time, is what she said, with a curse word in there for emphasis. So uh, it doesn't... (laughs) It sounds (laughs) classy. Yeah, real classy. So I wouldn't put it past Tom Brady to have... uh, Told her uh, his his father and his relatives to, you know, give a little something to the media. <laughs> so if you're having a uh, Super Bowl party, here are some home game home gating party ideas. Tips for having the winning Super Bowl party. Number one, finger foods. Everyone loves picking on wings, pigs in the blanket, bagel bites, nachos, chili, pizza, while watching two teams duel it out for the ring. Keep your guests focused on the game, but also full by serving finger foods throughout the entirety of the game. No one wants to sit down for a big, big meal and miss an important commercial, an uh, important part of the game, or an entire quarter or half. Two, decorate and get festive. Decorate your living room with football balloons, team-colored tablecloths, and even team-colored plastic cups and plastic plates. Got all them. Check, check, check. Everyone loves a Super Bowl party that makes them feel like they are part of the game. Surround sound does help. Someone just said Mike and Mike should contact me. Yeah, tweet them. I'm ready. Promote football attire, no matter if your team is in the Super Bowl or not, Jets fans. (laughs) Stress the importance of coming dressed in the gear of your favorite NFL team. It's the one holiday slash event of the year where football jerseys are appropriate for the occasion, no matter what the team. Take advantage of it. Four, provide plenty of seating for your guests. Nobody wants to keep yelling at one guest to sit down and move out of the way of the TV. And from a guest perspective, you always want that comfortable seat to relax and cheer from during the game. Make sure you account for all of your guests in attendance and set up extra folding chairs or tables to keep your guests comfortable. comfortable. And that's how you have a winning Super Bowl party. Also, you should uh, do some prop bets. Uh, you can just Google those. Those are prop bets. That's... Not uh, You could do the box squares as well, so you're paying attention, but you can also do prop bets that say, like, for example, one of ours last year was what, um, what color were Beyonce's shoes going to be on the halftime performance? Um, and you had to guess. It was multiple choice. Or, or was Lady Gaga g- going to be wearing a weird outfit for the national anthem? Yes or no? And then at the end, you total the questions. Will the, first, uh, will the first commercial be for a car? Yes or no? And whoever gets the most questions right, at the end, wins. And it's usually people bet, I don't know, well, I don't know, my friends don't bet much money, but if you are a highfalutin lawyer or Wall Street dude, I'm sure you're betting a lot more than uh, New Jersey public education teachers, I'll tell you that much. So, (laughs) Someone said, you want a new car? No, Oprah is not going to be at my party. She is not giving out cars at my party or or any of our parties for that matter. Next week, I'm going to look to have on, you've seen him on here before, uh, Chris Villani, I'm going to reach out to him right after. I'm, hopefully he's listening. That would be cool. Chris, I'd love to have you on next week to talk X's and O's, Falcons, Patriots. Really, X's and O's. Let's really get into it. It's going to be all football next Sunday, all Super Bowl talk. You know, We'll talk a little bit about Luke Bryan again, Lady Gaga couple commercials maybe will have leaked by that time. However, we are going to talk, you know, who's going to win this game, betting odds. Right now, I believe the Falcons are three-point favorites. Someone just said, I hope the Patriots lose, that's all. God, no, Gaga or Luke. You missed this whole show. That must have been, you must have missed the whole show. So next week, tune in. We have 11 o'clock Eastern time, that is. I will have everything you need to know about the Super Bowl next Sunday. At 11 a.m. okay so if you can't wait until then here's where you can find any or all of my stuff www.prosportsrundown.com that's my website Twitter at coach MCCARTAN YouTube you go into the search bar you type coach space MCCARTAN soundcloud.com slash coach McCartan on demand, this is going to go up as soon as I possibly can edit this. On demand, I'll be on iTunes. What you have to do is search the iTunes store for Coach Space McCartan. Tune in radio, you're going to type in 60 space, minute space, overtime. And on play.google.com for you Android users, you're going to search Coach McCartan. Okay, uh, so I want to say a uh, ciao to you guys on, on Periscope. You're great today. I got a lot of, lots of hearts today and a, and a proposition to join Mike and Mike. Sign me up. All right, so you guys can catch me next week, 11 a.m. Eastern Time. All right, let me hit you with the end credits. See you guys next week. Ciao. Follow me on Twitter, at Coach McCartan. That's at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. To find my work on YouTube and SoundCloud, search, with no spaces, Coach McCartan. Subscribe yourself so you don't have trouble finding it in the future. That's it for today, everybody. Listen live next Sunday, 1.30 to 2.30 p.m.